Hey guys, before we start the show, let me tell you about JNCGifts.com. JNCGifts.com offers a large array of products and gifts with competitive pricing and an ever-evolving selection. From babies and kids to outdoor living and survival, they aim to offer as much as possible at a lower price point. Saving customers money and even more valuable the time you spend looking for that perfect gift. Visit www.jncgifts.com today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to, I think, what is episode 18. We have Al back with us this week. Al, say hello to everybody. Episode 18. I'm excited. You were missed last week. Um, Oh, thank you. Yes, by me and by the listeners as well. By the way, I watched, of course. I edited it. But uh, I I loved the episode. It was a great episode. You talked all about porn stars. Yeah. My favorite, I, I like refer to myself as like the nation's top porn scholar. And I feel like that video, or I hope that video was testament, um, you know, to my knowledge in the area. So I'm glad that everybody enjoyed it. I'm glad that you approved, but I'm also equally glad that you're back this week. Oh, thank you. So, I'm glad to be back. Yeah, well, you know what? We, we picked a, a big week to kind of not talk because this past week, my hometown is basically on the verge of breaking out in civil war um, right now. It's it's pretty wild. So and I feel like this is one of those things where I'm talking about it from like, my, you know, my hometown, my perspective. But anybody who's, you know, not from a big city probably can relate to this in one way or another, you know, like sort of like hometown issues, so to speak. But there were two big things that happened. One was that there was a picture or a a picture circulating of these two girls um, who had like a black face mask on and it said something to the effect of like, I'm an Alabama N word, but like the actual word and I want to be free. Um, so really, really bad look. And one was Irish and one was Italian. And I'm like, why is it always exactly who you expect it to be? Oh, like, yeah. Those, those were some white girls. Like oh, they yeah. were as white as could be. Yeah. Which is like my hometown in a nutshell. Like very, we're like Caucasian, like to the max. But mm-hmm. I, yeah, it was bad. And then the, I did some digging and I found out that it wasn't even the first in- racist incident with these two girls. That apparently there were like two other videos And I also found out that they were bullying some disabled or some mentally handicapped, mentally disabled kid in the school. So, yeah, it was it was not a shining moment. But what I don't really want to get too much into that aspect on the podcast because this is a fun podcast. Um, But Mm. then the other big, unfortunately, bigger issue in my town was, are we going to change the foot or the the logo of the school, like the mascot of the school? So we're the Caldwell Chiefs. And right now, uh, yeah, it's the Caldwell Chiefs debate of 2020. So <laughs> like, this is this is a problem in a lot of, uh, you know, small towns and schools, because I am also from a small town called Mayapak and their team name is the Indians. So oh. and it's the same. It's the same exact thing. They're going yeah. through the same problems. Some people want to change it. Some people don't. And now this whole Redskins 
uh, you know, change, uh, you know, it, it brings the it brings up the question. Well, br- yeah, it brings the conversation to the forefront again. Uh, like, so, yeah, my official, this is like so funny. My official position is that I don't think that they have to necessarily change the name because I don't think that Chiefs is the same as Redskins for obvious reasons. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do think it would be nice if they just made it policy that while they're not going to change the name, you know, nobody's allowed to come to the school in like a headdress or, you know, trying to do like the war chant or in any other way, like disrespecting Native American culture. And I feel like that's like a good compromise you know it's like keep the name keep the logo but just agree that going forward there's like a zero tolerance policy for any type of you know cultural appropriation of like native because honestly like let's they've been through enough you know like we and Caldwell Mm. don't need to traumatize them any further by like mimicking them on the football field but I don't think that the the school logo or the name has to change that's just my opinion um so I don't know but how do you feel I mean that's a good middleman but in reality, just I mean, if if it offends people, just fucking change it. I mean, why does it why does it offend the person that's you know the white guy that just likes the name? Like, I, it, people are too attached. Well, that's like a, a friend of mine from back home um, who is like heavily involved with like athletics, and and he's like he's like my family. Like his family has been in town for a while, so like the cheat, like you know, the whole everything is like very near and dear to his heart. And I said to him, like, how would you feel if a town like Livingston, so Livingston is like a predominantly Jewish town. How would you feel if, you know, Livingston had their mascot be like the fighting Paisans and then they were like, (laughs) you know, and then they were running around in like wife beaters and hitting each other with pizza paddles like on the sidelines. And that was like, you know, their mascot. Like you would have a problem with it. You would be like, okay, this is. I kind of like that. That sounds like a funny idea that we should do that. I mean, yeah, it's fun. I know. I mean, it. I mean, it is pretty hilarious. But it's like my point is that like we as Italians are like, oh, what's the big deal? We only say that because nobody's ever done it to us. But I can guarantee you that if that happened in another town where that was their name and that's how they represented Italian culture, that people from my town would be, not be into it. So. Mm-hmm. Again, for me, it's like just to sort of keep the peace. It's like, okay, keep the name, but just agree that going forward, we're not going to like show up in some offensive like garb that we have no business wearing to begin with. Um, But on a lighter note, when I was talking to my friend, I, um, I was reminded of the time when I, we were like, oh God, I, I must have been, he's a little bit older than me, but I was like 17. We were like at my house. My parents were away for the weekend. So I don't know if you can already tell where this story is going. So Up to no good, that's for sure. Yeah, up to no good. Exactly. So we were like hooking up at my house and my aunt, I hear my aunt come through the front door like gangbusters and I'm like, Oh my God, like I didn't know, like I jumped into action. So this is like a twofold problem because not only are we like start, like we're hooking up, but we were also in the process of like rolling a joint. So it's like his pants are down. We have weed on the table. I'm 17. My aunt's coming through the front door. And (laughs) classic. Yeah. And like in my mind, I'm like, okay, let me grab the weed to get rid of that. And then you pull up your pants. But meanwhile, I'm like typical woman, man situation. I'm like hiding the weed. And he's like, oh, what do I do? And I'm like, pull up your fucking pants. Like, let's start there. 
And then, you know, so I was like, oh, my God. So she came in and then we both had to like, you know, be like, oh, we were just whatever. But it was so obvious what was going on. I was like mortified. Um, and then that was like the I for a while, that was like the only time I was caught. I thought and I thought that was the only time. But then I remember it a second time. A couple of years later, um, I was having sex with the guy that I was, you know, with and the maid walked in like his house cleaner, like the cleaning lady. <laughs> it was like and it forgot. I mean, you know, it was like 9 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Like who has their cleaning lady come at 9 a.m. on a Sunday morning? But yeah, we and were they, like and she didn't knock. No, I mean, you know, she probably didn't really like, well, no, what happened was we, the bedroom door was open. So it's not like she just busted in. And, it's and just better that, questions, why are you fucking at nine in the morning? Right. Correct. You know, I'm not really like a, a morning. That's like always like the thing I tell a guy, like the first night I, like the first time I spend the night with a guy, I wake up the next morning and I go, I'm not really a morning person, just so you know. But that never seems to like impede them wanting to get morning sex. So I'm like, okay, mm. whatever. So, but yeah, yeah so, so a guy morning sex is just, you know, creme de la creme. They love it. Yeah, apparently. But yeah, so we were having <laughs> sex and it was like, and we had the door open, like not really thinking anything of it. And then all of a sudden I like hear her and she kind of like yelps and I turn around <laughs> and she, I have to, you know, to, like to her credit, like she was very sweet. She actually shut the door. Like she did the polite thing and she shut the door behind her. And I like looked at the guy I was with and I was like, what the and he was like oh yeah like whatever just like carry on I'm like no I'm not gonna carry on like now I'm like mortified like she just got a glint it was like no so twice have you ever been caught having sex though uh in a car one time someone oh. someone knocked asked him to move the car out of the driveway and uh we were having sex with the car and uh I, I don't I'm not positive if they knew but they probably knew well, yeah, I mean, like, it's like the Titanic where the window's fogging up. Like, what was, they must have known. Definitely, but it was very quick. You know, they just looked in real quick, knocked, and we will st- we were startled. And I was like, oh, sorry, I'll move it now. And okay. <laughs> so I, I, I'm not sure if they actually saw anything, but I'm pretty sure they saw everything. Well, I mean, they're a homie, though, for just, like, carrying on and, like, try- like not trying to, Yeah, like, not know. making a big deal out of it, definitely. Just like the maid. Yeah. Um. Oh my God, I, like... Yeah, so I've been caught, like, well, I've been, like, visually caught, I guess you could say twice, um, and then, like, like audibly, I don't know, like, I'm very, I can be kind of loud during, well, I can be kind of loud in general, but I can mm-hmm. be kind of loud during sex, like, that's my toxic trait, like, I just can't, you know, there's no such thing as, like, silent sex for me, so I can't imagine how many people have heard me, like, have heard me having sex, I'm sure that number is a lot, a lot bigger. I don't get people that have silent sex. It doesn't make sense to me. And and I, I when I was with roommates and I would have, you know, sex with a woman, uh, I am very loud myself. And the person was also making some noise. And every single time, my roommates always had a joke about it. You know, they always had to make fun of the noises coming out of my room. And I just, what's so funny about that? Oh, my God. Well, I'm the same way. I'm like, what is the big deal? Like, you know what's going on. Also, like you said, like, who is silent? When having sex, like not even that's Repu- not fun. Like not even Republicans do that. Not even Republicans are silent <laughs> during sex. Okay, so like, why are we being quiet? It's just it's so weird to me. Um, do you think Mitt Romney's not making noise? Mm, no, I think Mitt Romney is like a freak. He's making noise. He's making noise for sure. Um, All right. Yeah. 
I mean, listen, well, even Trump. Well, Ch- Cheney's making noise. Who? Dick Cheney? Yeah, he's making noise. He's making noise. Um, even Donald Trump, like as much as I can't stand him, I'm sure he's making noise. I don't think he's oh, good in absolutely. bed. absolutely. But I'm sure he's making tons, noise. Tons too much noise. Probably, yeah. It's probably too much noise. You're right. Um, but I don't know, man. Yeah, I like I, I've told you before, like I like a certain level, a certain level being the key part of that phrase, a certain level of dirty talk. Um, but even if like a guy is not comfortable with that, it's like, yeah, like there has to be some noise, background music, something. I just can't silently fuck someone. It's like, unless you're into like necrophilia, like fucking a dead person, I don't know who wants like <laughs> silent. I've heard like, of guys shushing the woman for making too much noise. Oh, yeah. Well, that's like, I mean, I guess if you have like your buddies outside, like if you like you said, if you have a roommate, it gets like kind of awkward or like if you live with your parents, like, oh, my no, God. No, I'm talking about more of like a sexual fantasy. Like they prefer the woman to be quiet. Yeah, but that's weird to me. Like that's very weird. Well, Not yeah. just to you. That's a weird thing. Like I also like I need an audible confirmation that I'm doing a good job. So like if you're not making noise, like uh, my thought is like, okay, he's not enjoying it. Like that's right. Yes. So I don't know. Um, I've had the opposite where I've made too much noise and they think they're hurting me. Oh, no. Yeah, no. And I'm like, no, I'm just enjoying it. I'm just, you know, vocal about it. That's, like, nice of them to even, like, ask and check in. Because I feel like once I get going, like, I don't really care. <laughs> like, I don't even really care if I'm hurting you. It's like, all right, just take it. Like, I don't really... How bad could it really hurt, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, because we're on, like, the hometown subject, I finally... I've been, like, talking about... Or I've been teasing it, as you like to say. I've been teasing it for a while. But I want to finally set the record straight and tell the fire alarm story from high school. Um, so the famous fire alarm, story, the famous yeah. fire alarm story. So when I was a freshman in high school, I was arrested for pulling the fire alarm and, um, it's a third degree felony offense. Nobody ever told me that, like I did not get the memo, but after nine 11, it like went up from like a, like a, you know, misdemeanor charge to a, like a legit third degree federal offense. So a, a felony. Um, and it was one of those things like, Freshman year, freshman year can be rough. Freshman year is like prison. Like if you don't come in and have your prison gang down like stat or down pat, like you will be end up being somebody's bitch. And I feel like freshman year of high school, you know, is no different. Like if you don't have a crew of friends, it can be really rough. So I, you know, at some point during the year started hanging out with some rather unsavory characters and um, I was hanging out in the library one day. And what type of characters we're talking about here? We're talking potheads. We're talking about goths. What are you saying? Just like, just like uh, wayward types, like troublemakers. I mean, troublemakers for sure. People who were like a little bit lost in life. Um, but there was this one kid, Kyle. Now, again, to set the record straight, Kyle and I never hung out outside of school. I would only see him in school during my lunch period, and Kyle. Basically, Kyle basically looked like the real life version of Eric Cartman from South Park, like <laughs> just sort of like a rotund, like like with the hair and the, the hat. It, that was like Kyle. And one day we're all chilling in the library and he's saying that he doesn't want to go to his next class. So somebody should pull the fire alarm. So I'm like, 
you know, so I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, that's dumb. And he was like, come on. Like, the worst that can happen to you is you get like, you know, in school suspension. And I'm like, no, I'm not pulling the fire alarm. That's dumb. So then they start throwing books at the fire alarm to try to get it to go off. And me, in in my head, Mrs. Like, I always have to prove everybody wrong. I get up and I say, this is stupid and a waste of time. And then I just pull the fire alarm for them. So just to recap, in my brain, it wasn't like, oh, don't pull the fire alarm because that's a bad thing and you're going to get in trouble. In my brain, I go, see, I'm so much smarter than these people who are so inefficient. Let me just get up and do the work like I always do. So Mm -hmm. I don't know what kind of um, psychological issue that is, but I'm sure there's a psychiatrist out there somewhere who could delve into, you know. Because I was going to say, this is not something Brie would usually do. She's not a... A troublemaker. She doesn't want to do things that get her in trouble like this. But, uh, no. you know, there's another reason for it. So it makes sense. It was just a t- it was like a lapse in judgment. Like that part of the story is really not interesting. I think everybody thought there was like some big reason behind it. And there wasn't. It's just like, nope, I'm just a regular run of the mill dumbass. So I pull the fire alarm. Everybody evacuates. And, you know, a little while, la- a little while later, our vice principal comes over and he's like, you know, take a walk with me. So we go and before he even gets the words out, he was like, you know, some people are saying you pulled. And I was like, I pulled it. And he's like, you pulled it. And I'm like, yep, I pulled it. And he was like, are you sure you pulled it? And I'm like, I definitely pulled. It was like my like that scene in My Cousin Vinny where he's like, you shot the clerk. And the guy's like, I shot the clerk. And then you shot the clerk. I Like it was like that level of like he was like, OK, this girl's like he probably felt bad that I wasn't even putting up a fight. He was like, oh, Jesus Christ. So he walks me to the front of the building, which at this point in time, like 80% of the student body has been evacuated out onto the front lawn, right? So we now have an audience for act two because everybody's out there, like students, faculty, the whole nine yards. And he walks me out and the school SRO officer, which you know what that is, right? Like it's like the police officer who hangs out in the school. Yeah. Mm. Sorry, I was like pounding some Jameson. Um, like we walk out the SRO officer is there and he is like all fired up like he has been training for this moment his whole like since the academy like he is so excited to just fucking apprehend somebody he was Mm -hmm. way too enthusiastic in my opinion and his name is officer joy which is kind of ironic because if you've ever been in trouble with the law joy is not the first emotion that springs up in your body when you're dealing with a police officer. It was like Marie Kondo. Like, this does not spark joy. Like, that's not the feeling I'm getting right now. But that was his name. And he, like, so he's, like, you know, getting ready to arrest me. And then, like, Mr. Brown, the VP, being a sweetheart, is like, oh, like, can't we just deal with this internally? And he's like, nope, I got to take her in. So then he handcuffs me in front of the whole school. Like, I can hear, like, an audible gasp you know, from the student body. I'm like, great, here we go. That and seems like a pretty, like too much handcuffs. I know. Like and he also handcuffed me. Now, like when you, normally when you arrest a minor, I learned this after the fact, when you arrest a minor, you're supposed to handcuff them in the front instead of the back. Like, you're, you know what I mean? So that's not like too traumatizing, I guess. Who knows? But that's like mm-hmm. the rule. So he, but he handcuffed me behind my back put me in the squad car. I wasn't even dressed nice that day, which also upset me. It's like, if you're going to be like the center of attention at school, you at least, even if it's for something bad, you at least want to look good. I had on like 
Sophie sweatpants, a sweat, like a baggy, gross, you know, my hair was all tied up. It was disgusting. You looked like a hoodlum. I looked like a hoodlum. So he handcuffed me. He perp walked me. We're on our way to the police station. And all of a sudden I hear this like hysterical yelling. And I look to my left and my mother, who I don't even know how she managed to find out but at like this soon. My mother is like out of her car outside the police car like yelling at the intersection she's like where are you taking my daughter like what happened oh my god and he was just like you know like mr stoic was like police station police station so my mother you know my mother is hysterical in my head i'm like oh my god like now i know i'm really fucked now that i see how upset my mother is like again sicilian parents i'm like I fucked up. <laughs> so we go to the police station. They take me in. They process me. I really skeeved the holding cell. And I just want everyone to know. There was like boot prints on the wall. It was like not very clean. I, like it was just disgusting. Like it was like the most. I've been, I've been in a holding cell once. There's like scratches and dirt everywhere. Yes. Makes you think who, who was in here before. Uh, yeah. I'm like, is this a scare tactic? Like did somebody really do this? Or did they do this? So you, it's like the scared straight. Like you're like, oh my God. Like what the fuck happened in here? It was like a padded cell. They had like shit everywhere. So I was like very concerned. And then they come in, they process me. They have to ask you all these questions. And, you know, I'm trying to give like, you know, I'm trying to lighten the mood and find the humor in the situation being like the comic that I am. And, um, you know, I'm giving him all these witty answers and he is like not amused, you know, can't win them all, can't win them all. Um, But then finally they, you know, they process me, they release me to my parents, which honestly, when I saw the look on my father's face, I wanted to turn and be like, can you just keep me in the holding cell? Because that is probably safer than going home with my father right now. And I remember later that night, I called a friend to tell them what happened. And my dad and I like made a joke again, making light of the situation. And he was like, do you think this is funny? Like, do you think this is funny, Brianna? And I was like, oh my God. And I was like, a little but you know, whatever. Meanwhile, back at school, the rumor mill is turning like typical small town. Like everybody's got some shit to say. And my cousin, who's the same age as me, was there. So she was fielding all of the the craze, like the the rumors. So a few of my favorites were one was this chick tried to tell everybody that she sold me oregano instead of weed and I smoked it with her. Now, (laughs) this is insulting on two levels. One, I'm Italian. So if you don't think I know my fucking spices and I don't know oregano when I see it, then you're wrong. But second of all, we never you never, ever smoked me up. So don't not do not tell people that I smoked oregano with you. That's and I don't get one. the point of the story. She's trying to look cool saying she sold you oregano, but then she's saying that she smoked it as well. Right. So I, I don't know what she's trying to say there. I know. So that was like the first thing. I had. I definitely smoked weed back in high school, but I it was never with her and it was never fucking oregano. Like, Jesus Christ. So mm-hmm. that pissed me off to this day. And then another guy, it was like after the arrest and like people were all talking, my cousin said that she overheard some guy go, wasn't that the girl who wore the eye patch in elementary school? Oh, no. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, you know, 10 years, nine years later, I pull the fire alarm and I'm still known as the girl who wore the eye patch in elementary school. Like it could just never like I could become Pablo Escobar and be running drugs all up and down, you know, the e- the eastern seaboard. And someone, some asshole from high school would still be like, well, didn't she wear the eye patch? It's like, okay, 
come on. So I'll never be losing that. And then the other one, which like to this day cracks my cousin up is when somebody was like, yeah, I heard she comes from a bad family. And I was like, my family is crazy, but my family is not a bad family. But even so, like when I heard that, I felt like it was like Mulan. Like I dishonored the family. Like I was like, oh my God, like <laughs> I'm so embarrassed that I did this. So, oh, and no, then it's, it's and good that you spice things up because it sounds like your family's full of nice people that do nice things. So it's cool that you added a little story to the, you know, to the storyline. Oh yeah. I don't think they felt the same, but the other, the other rumor that cracked me up was then everybody said that, or not everybody, but some people were saying that they found cocaine in my locker. Like I was like moving weight at James Caldwell high school. And I was like, I appreciate that you even think that I have the skill set to do such things, but I can assure you I don't. Like, I couldn't even cheat on a test. I was so nervous. <laughs> All these things are way more badass than just pulling the fire alarm. Right. Pulling the fire alarm is like something a kid did in like a 90s sitcom. Yeah, it's like not like pulling the fire alarm is like, you know, it's not good, but it was not like a big deal. But yeah, everybody was like, you know, trying to hype it up. So on the one hand, I thank you for thinking I'm that badass, but it really was not that crazy. So I don't even remember how my mother like convinced them to do this but I ended up going back to the police station to take another mug shot before I went to court which is not like normally they don't do that normally you go in you get arrested you take your mug shot get processed go home whatever but my mother managed to convince them to let me take a second mug shot and, which was great because my roots I had blonde hair at the time and my roots were growing out really yeah it looked disgusting. It was like before that look was in, like the overgrown roots. So oh, I, I, would, I, I would love to see you blonde. I can't even imagine that. Oh, yeah. It was a dark time in my life. I had like, I was very Jersey. I had like chunky blonde highlights. Like I was, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted to be that person. Um, I was pulling fire alarms, like it, the whole thing, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, my mom managed to convince them to let me come back to take my mother. What a good shot. mother. Yeah, she is a good mom after I got my roots done. So thank you, mom, for, you know, for letting, you know, for convincing them to let me come back and take my mug, sh- mug well, shot. Well, was the second mug shot better? My- what? Was the second mug shot better? Mm. Yeah, the second mug shot was better because I had my roots done. So it was like, it wasn't, it didn't oh. look like. <laughs> okay, I see what you're saying. All it right. looked good. <laughs> and I remember when I was going back to have, take it. Do you still have the mug shot today? I mean, I don't have it personally, but I'm sure it's somewhere. But I remember when I was going to take it too, my father was like, look remorseful. And I was like, how the fuck do I look remorseful? And he was like, just look sad. (laughs) He was like, look sad. He's right. The the worst like celebrity mugshots are the one where they're kind of smiling or happy. They look arrogant. Yeah, I did. I did not want that. So um, I wound up having to go to court over the whole thing because, again, third degree federal offense. There was like a, a glimmer of hope that they were going to like kick it down to a lesser court. But of course, like Bree Hunter is fucked. They're like, nope, you got to show up at the Superior Court of Newark. I'm like, great. So I had to buy this like Hillary Clinton pantsuit to go to court. I like I had it for I kept it for a long time because I'm like, oh, in case I got to go to traffic court, I should just hold on to it. It was this gray pantsuit. Like, I'm like, oh, my God, it looked like I was running for office. And (laughs) I went to court and I actually ended up getting off pretty easy because Mr. Brown, the vice principal, 
wrote me a letter of reckon or like a, a letter basically asking the judge for leniency, saying that I was a good kid. It was a one time mistake. And to please, you know, go easy on me that he had faith that I would, you know, that I would make this right and be a good kid. And I don't know if most people, I mean, everybody I went to high school with knows about the the fire alarm, but I don't think most people know about Mr. Brown writing the letter. But that letter really did sort of save me from any worse punishment than I got, which ended up being like, you know, community service. It was nothing. Um, so There we go. You, you made out. You, yeah. You, you, you looked like the badass at school and you got away with it. And I was okay. Um yeah. And but maybe, but maybe it wasn't Mr. Brown. Maybe it was your gray pantsuit that did it for them. I wish she specifically referenced the letter. Otherwise, I wouldn't know. She said to me, "She's like in my in my twenty something years of being a judge, I've never seen a vice principal write a letter, you know, asking for Look leniency." And I've talked to you about Mr. Brown before. Unfortunately, Mr. Brown passed away earlier this year. It was very sad. Um, and I wanted to tell this story earlier, um, but I, you know. It got kind of, I didn't know how to handle it, you know, because it was so fresh and it just sucked losing somebody that young. Um, but he yeah, was there's, like, a, there's a few people in high school that really touch you, you know, that really, you know, leave an impression on you. And he was one of them, right? Well, let's not say touch. Let's not use the word. Yeah, that, that could be bad. In you this know day I mean. and age, let's not use the word touch. Let's just say he, he inspired. Yeah, he was inspiring. He cared. He left a, you know, an impression on me very much so. Um, and I tried to just, I remember I was describing him to you before and I said that he kind of looked like, um, Sylvester Stallone's character in the movie Ants. Remember <laughs> the, so, he was Absolutely. like the soldier ant and that's what Mr. Brown looked like. Like he like, well, he, I guess he looked like Stallone because the ant looked like Stallone. He had like this, like, you know, strong jaw, good looking dude. Um, I don't know that he was in the Marines, but he was like, he had that like tough guy, like, you know, look and mentality about like, he was sweet, but he also had that side to him that was like very, you know, like buttoned up. And, um, I feel like honestly, he would have loved that. Like if he knew I was comparing him to Stallone, that would like have made his day. So Mr. Brown, wherever you are, I'm saying it publicly that you definitely had the Sylvester Stallone-esque look about you. So specifically. A hundred percent. Um, but yeah, that was the, uh, that's the fire alarm story. So I don't know. I feel like that's like, um, it probably, it definitely was not the most exciting thing that happened at my school, but it's probably up there like historically. Definitely. Is that something that you you and your family still talk about? Oh yeah. Like now it's like, we can kind of joke about it, but like for the first couple years it was, we could, it was not a funny topic, not to my father. Um, he was not happy about it. He also had to pay money for a lawyer, which is like, however oh. disappointed he was in me getting arrested, he was twice as mad about the money that it cost him to hire a lawyer. So for many, many years, we could not joke about it. But now it's like, it's like, whatever. Um, yeah, one time I, I threw a house party in my dad's house and that's something I, I don't think I ever talked about again with him. I think that's just something we swept under the rug. He was mad about it? Oh, yes, because the, the police came. There was over 100 students there. And, and, and the same weekend, I crashed his car. And I'm telling you, I'm a nice kid. I'm a good kid. I don't do shit like that. So it was very surprising uh, one weekend where I just, you know, had a house party and crashed his car. He was not happy about it. And uh, like I said, we swept that under the rug. <laughs> I mean, well, the crashing of the car. I don't think it's, you see, like, you should have led with crashing the car. You said, oh, I had a house party and my dad was mad. And Surprisingly, like, oh. the house party thing was worse. 
Oh my God. Well, my brother once had like a rager and the police showed up and it was like another thing that my poor parents were like, there was some chick who passed out in the bathroom and they had to call the EMTs because they weren't sure like, you know, like to their credit, they instead of being worried about getting in trouble, they were like, no, we have to call the paramedics to make sure she's okay. Um, you know, they didn't hesitate, which makes me proud. But nonetheless, they had to call the EMTs. The EMTs came in. They took the bathroom door off the hinges. So oh they sh- could get the stretcher in there. Um, and then... See, you're the good kid. You're not doing shit like that. Well, you know what? It's funny because it's like it's like typical. Like my mom prides herself on being so progressive. But they were typical, you know, like she's a typical Italian mom in the sense that like my brother's could run wild in the streets and then like meanwhile me like I had to be like you know every little thing I did I got in trouble but my brother my brother was arrested once for breaking into the town pool and like skinny dipping then he had the rager like my brother did all kinds of stuff they were like playing beer pong at his high school graduation everything was just like oh it's whatever whatever but meanwhile me it's like I watch lesbian porn once and you catch me and it's like grounded grounded <laughs> well yeah your daddy's little girl and you're also the firstborn right yeah it's that um yeah so you know it's gonna happen i know i never thought i would be the black sheep of my family but it kind of is shaping up that way so no um before we end i do want to do like a quick um quick ufc recap because we had ufc fights this weekend and i know you and i were talking about um, whether or not I wanted to keep it for now, we're going to keep it in the podcast. We're going to kind of do like every time there's a fight, I'm going to do a recap at the end of the podcast. And then eventually I might make it a separate series in and of itself. But for now it's going to fall under the Brie Hunter's fucked umbrella. Um, there we go. but yeah, but we'll do it towards the end. And that way, like if any of our listeners are really like not into UFC, you can just ditch. But for those of you who are, um, it'll, it'll be here. So, and for people at home, I am not into UFC at all. So I'm with you out there. I don't know what the hell she's talking about, but I'm going to listen and see what's know, going on. You don't know what's going on. I know this nope. is like, I like thought of sending you some notes and I'm like, honestly, what's the point? I may as well just, I may as well tell it to you from the perspective of other people who don't pay attention. There we um, go. so UFC Fight Island three, this was the last, um, series of fights for now on Fight Island. Um, they're on their way back to Vegas, so it should hopefully be business as usual. Um, but it was like the Fight Island finale, which I have to just say that I was one of those people who was making fun of Dana White when he was like, oh, I'm going to buy an island and we're going to have fights there. I was like, okay, this guy's out. He's like Kanye West. Like he's outside of his mind. But I'll be damned. The man pulled it off. And it and it went well. Like, it, you know, it worked. He looks like a genius compared to, you know, these... MOB players and, you know, owners and, yeah. you know, ca- Cashman and whatnot. Well, we talked about it on the last podcast, how it was like, you know, the, the difference between the NBA bubble and then like, be, you know, like the, the UFC island, which was like, you, they were putting them up in Abu Dhabi, which is like a very ritzy town to begin with. Like they were treated like kings and queens over there. And then you look at the NBA bubble and it's like this like welfare bubble. You're like, holy shit. So... Yeah, not only did he do it, but he did it well. So I, you know, I have to eat a piece of humble pie and take back all the, you know, the things mm-hmm. I said about him being crazy. Um, the one. Well, thing he still that, might be crazy. That's up for debate. Well, yeah. I mean, geniuses often are. 
Um, mm. But no, I, this this fight. The other thing worth noting is um, Paul Felder was there. He's one of the announcers. Um, he's really good. So he was broadcasting. He was originally kept out because he was sitting next to somebody who had coronavirus on the plane over. So they had to pull him out of commentating until the very last one, which is sucky because I really like him. Um, but then also uh, Michael Bisping um, and John Anik were also not there this weekend. So, the, you know, I never because I don't really watch sports because this is like the first sport that I'm really into. I didn't realize that not having your favorite commentators does make a difference. Absolutely. So especially when it's something like the Super Bowl. And he got Joe Buck, you know, commentating the thing. Oh, is he? You you don't like him? No, he's not great. He's a, he seems like a fine person, but his, you know, commentating skills aren't great. Oh, I didn't know. I don't see. I don't know because I don't. I don't pay attention to football, so I don't. But I'm. I'm assuming it's the same. You know, feeling where I would. It's not that the people who replaced them were bad. It's just that. I like my guys, and when they weren't there, it was like a noticeable difference. Like if Paul Felder wasn't there, I probably would have just, you know, done what my grandfather did and watched it on mute and just, you know, because I was like, well, there, oh. There's people that will watch baseball games specifically uh, with the radio programming and mute the television, uh, you know, sound and watch the, watch the game on TV with the, with the radio broadcast. Mm-hmm. My grandfather's one of those people, so he... um. Mm-hmm. And again, I always thought that was crazy. And now I'm like, no, I get it. Like if your guys Makes aren't sense. on, it's like a different experience. Um, so the truth of the matter, well, the fight was like the card, the main card was very good um, in comparison to like the last round of fights, which was like kind of disappointing. The thing that I was laughing about was like the biggest, you know, the thing that was most talked about from the night was the drama between Herb Dean and Dan Hardy. So Herb Dean, he's a former fighter, but he's been uh, a referee, you know, for I think they said over 20 years now. So he's been at it for a while. He's very well respected. Dan Hardy is a commentator, also a former fighter. So this happened in the prelims. So I didn't even see it because I only watched the main card. But during the prelims, um, it was the Trinaldo versus Herbert fight. And um, Herbert was knocked out and um, he was on the ground. And normally when somebody gets knocked out, they like they stop the fight right away. But what I learned, because, again, I'm kind of new to the sport, is that like depending on how somebody gets knocked out and which way they fall and and what they do when they fall determines whether or not you're going to stop the fight. So if somebody falls after getting punched, but they're in the defensive position, the official usually assumes like, oh, they're still conscious and they're willing to put up, you know, a fight. Therefore, I shouldn't stop. It's like a it's like a huge gray area. You're sort of damned if you do or damned if you don't, whatever. So what ends up happening is the guy gets, you know, he falls back. He gets knocked out. Herb Dean doesn't stop the fight. And Dan Hardy, who was supposed to be a like a color commentator ringside, yells out, stop the fight, which is a big no, no, like mm. in UFC. Like if you're Why? not. Yeah, you can't just yell out, you know, stop the fight. That's not your job. Um, oh, I, I, I'd do that all the time if I was there. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but you're not ringside. Just like if, if I went at a newspaper, uh, you know, what do you call it, a newspaper building, I would say stop the presses every day. 
I know you'd be like, stop. Well, listen, and I always I would like say to to my team, like I'm such a like a pussy bitch. I'd be like, if I go down, like immediately stop the fight. You know, that's me. Mm-hmm. But this is something that I, I see a lot of UFC fans debating all the time is like, you know, early stoppage versus like not stopping soon enough. So it, I mean, I think it's a gray area for a lot of these people, you know, because if you stop a fight too early, people are pissed. But if you stop a fight too late, somebody could get seriously hurt or God forbid, you know, die. Um, so it was kind of odd, though, that Dan Hardy, who, again, is supposed to be like a commentator, yelled out, you know, stop the fight. Like, I think his heart was in the right place. But like, I don't know that you should be doing that as a commentator. Like, you know, why? why? What's the problem? He's just expressing his emotion. What's what's the problem here? Well, that, see, that's the other thing I was going to bring up. Because there are no fans, you like the fighters and everybody inside the octagon can hear what the commentator's saying. Normally, oh, that's interesting, right? So, and that's like a thing that I think a lot of these sports teams are going to have to deal with if their commentators are ringside or courtside or on the you know on the sidelines or whatever. Is that normally you can't hear these people because there's so much noise from the fans but mm. now because if they're playing fanless or they're fighting fanless whatever you can actually hear what people on the side are saying so throughout the broadcast i would see fighter or um, i would see commentators kind of lower their voice or start to whisper and that's why because they don't want to distract the person in the octagon and i was laughing because i'm like i'm so goddamn loud i could never like, I give them credit for lowering their voice because it's like, I can't be quiet while commentating and I can't be quiet during sex. Like, I would fail. <laughs> I would fail at either of those jobs. Um, but that's part of the problem. And so that's what the referee said. He's like, it's not like it was a fan yelling out, stop the fight. Like, it's a quiet fight. There's not a lot of people, you know, here. And the only people who should ever be yelling, stop the fight, are the physician or um, the fighter's team who know who know him or her and know that if they're on the ground like they sort of know their habits and if they're on the ground they're not moving they know when to call the fight so he felt like um you know Dan Hardy was out of line so and it's funny because it was a great card but as I'm going through the MMA or the UFC blogs it's like the the main thing everybody is talking about is sort of this tiff because after the fight stopped they had words um ringside which again is not really a good look to have them yelling at each other during a live broadcast but you know any uh any, any chicks on this card I, that's that's my favorite part i love the chicks the i'm sorry say it again what'd you say the lady fighters any any lady fighters mm, there was lady fighters i didn't i hate to say it like i didn't really their fight this time around wasn't really exciting to me it, it was good but it wasn't exciting like last last card Amanda Rebus fought and that was like an exciting thing for me to watch or whenever like Rose Namajunas fights like that's something I pay attention to um the more I get into it the more I find myself following or being interested in specific fighters and specific bouts so this mm. time around no disrespect but I didn't really pay attention to the lady so, fighters. So, so to me give me a, a lady amateur match over a top build uh, event for the men's. I love watching ladies fight so much better. Well, listen, they're listen, they're tough as shit. I feel like a lot of the times women don't get respect the respect they deserve in sports. But mm. you know, women MMA fighters are. I mean, they can kick. You know, they can kick ass. They can kick ass like uh, most of the guys that I know. So they one hundred percent deserve people's attention and respect. 
And it um, adds a little zest. It adds a little flavor to the whole thing. You know, we've seen guys fight a million times. I'm, it's the same opinion with stand-up comedy for me. Anytime I see a, a whole lineup of just dudes, I get a little pissed off. I want to see some gals. You know? You're not into it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's like another thing too is that like the for for people who are not naturally into watching or, or naturally excited by combat sports, I think the draw is the personality of the fighter. So if a fighter, you know, has a big personality, is kind of like a showman, he's exciting, he's trash talking, like he has a big personality, that always draws people. Yeah. And um, the on this fight card, I'm going to butcher the name because you know how I get, but um, oh, it's so bad. Chim- I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher it, even though I could literally describe him to like um like a crime artist if I had to like describe what he looked like. But his name is I'm gonna say Ch- Chimaev Chimaev. I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's such a sin. But like whoever I, I'm that sure you're so close, Bray. I literally I know what he looks like. He's from he fights out of Sweden. I could I could mimic his voice, but I cannot pronounce his name. And that's again that's my second toxic well, trait. Thank God you can mimic the voice. Yeah. But he's like, he's the guy who's always out there like, you know, he'll be like, I'll smash you. I'll smash you. Like, he's very like, um, like th- that's like his his frame because he speaks broken English. Um, uh-huh. He is, I always hear about commentators or people who are into UFC talk about somebody dominating in the ring. And I feel like I learned what that really meant when I watched this guy fight. He got in the ring. He pummeled the other guy. And when he got him on the ground, it's like the guy just had no way out. Like that's like to now I'm like, Oh, when you say dominant fighter, like now I understand what you mean. It's just like, he got in there. Mm. The other guy didn't even have a chance. As soon as they were on the ground, it's like whatever way he turned, he, you know, it was like you were meeting the guy's fist or leg. It was incredible. And he has so much energy. He's like a spider monkey. He's very exciting, great personality. And, um, as a novice, like, you know, viewer of UFC, I'm like, oh, this guy's a rising star. But it was confirmed by other people who were huge fans when they were like, this is somebody who you have to watch. So right. I know I know you're not into it, but going forward, if you see that this guy is fighting, it's definitely I'll keep, a fight. I'll keep an eye out. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the biggest fight was the Till versus Whitaker fight. And um, Whitaker won, Till lost. But they were super, you don't, like in UFC, it's either like you have like a terrible, terrible rivalry where you just hate each other or there's like a level of respect. And these dudes are both so loved because they're very respectful in general, but also of each other. And after the fight, even though Till lost, he was like congratulating Whitaker. And, you know, I think it was something that like a lot of the fans appreciated seeing that they were they were so respectful of each other. Um, but I really I still really like Darren Till. And I think that even though he lost this fight, he's such a hard worker that I think we have a lot more to see from him going forward. Um, and he's also the guy that walks out to Sweet Caroline, which is like, what a good dude, you know? That's cute. Yeah, what a fucking jam. Like uh, a, little, a little done, though. It's been done. You think it's over? Yeah, but he's from, um, I think he's from Wales. I could be it's wrong. Like, it's, it's like playing Don't Stop Believing, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, we've heard it. Go on. But you have to remember that in UFC, a lot of the walkout songs are like, you know, 
like hip hop or like ACDC, like very broy intense songs. And then this guy mm-hmm. walks out and it's like Sweet Caroline. And you're like, fuck yeah. Like you're like three rounds into the bar. Like that's like my favorite feeling. And then Sweet Caroline. It's like, it's comes like Homer on. Simpson. Homer Simpson came out to uh, Why Can't We Be Friends? Oh, my. yeah. It was a lot like that. I mean, I would like to think that he's, <laughs> I would like to think he's tougher than Homer Simpson, but it's the same type of emotion that comes up. There we go. Um, so yeah, so I think that's basically, I don't want to get too technical yet, Mm -hmm. but in the future I will. Um, but no, I'm basically like, like me and UFC right now, it's like, I am like a sponge. I'm watching old fights. I'm watching, you know, video, like how to videos, like learning the basic moves. I'm watching documentaries on the history of UFC or pride fighting. Pride came before UFC. I'm Mm. like ODing on MMA right now. Um, So whatever I'm lacking right now in terms of commentary, give me a month and I will be like an expert on the subject. You'll be like Joe Rogan. I will be like Joe Rogan, but with better (laughs) hair and better boobs. So I hope so. Joe Rogan's got some good boobs, though. He does have some serious pecs. Um, mm-hmm. But watch out, Joe Rogan, because this <laughs> big-tittied brunette is coming for you. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, but it's it's been good. It's been keeping me entertained through the quarantine. Uh, we're at almost 50 minutes, uh, so we went a little bit over than we normally go, but I think this is a wrap for this week. Do you have any closing notes, any closing arguments, Al? Not at all, because I got to find out my fantasy football draft pick right now, so I'm ready to wrap this up. <laughs> oh, yes, fantasy football. You know what? We'll, we're, we are over time, but next week we'll touch on the whole fantasy football fascination next week. Oh, I'll, um, I'll get into it. I love getting into it. But I wish you the best of luck. Any of our listeners who are participating in fantasy football, I also wish you the best of luck as well. And until next week, guys, the twins and I and Al love you very much. Whoa, 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 is fucked. Whoa, oh, oh, is fucked. This has been a Lug Hole Podcast.